good, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Tank U NBA Draft Podcast. Aram Canusio here again. Unfortunately, my co-host, Pac McMahon, won't be joining us today. He's on vacation, so I'll be talking about Summer League action. You know, we had the California Classic and the Salt Lake City Summer League last week, Monday through Wednesday, and then starting Friday, we got into the Las Vegas Summer League where we got we get to see every team in the NBA, all 30 teams, as well as Croatia and China. So just a little about the California Classic and Salt Lake City Summer League. We got to see eight teams, and some of the prominent guys, I'll just kind of mention them briefly, were Dylan Windler from the Cavs, who looked really good, showed a lot of promise. The one thing about him is definitely that he's going to have to get in the gym and that'll improve his finishing around the rim, dealing with NBA strength. It's going to take him some time to translate, but he's got one incredible skill that every team wants, and that's an ability to shoot the rock better than almost anyone in this draft class. So he's going to be a vital component of this Cavs rebuild going forward. Another guy I want to mention was Lonnie Walker, who is still playing in Las Vegas. But I'm assuming we'll end shortly because just last night for the Spurs, he put up 32. And that's kind of what we saw from him in Utah as well, where he was doing everything out there that, you know, Jimmy Butler kind of does in the NBA right now. Obviously, different kind of competition. Lonnie Walker, though, stood out as clearly the best player in Summer League, at least in my opinion. Now, there are other guys. I'll mention Devontae Kaycock for the Lakers because I know he has an Exhibit 10 deal, and if you don't know what that is, that's essentially saying that he's part of that Lakers organization till the end of Summer League and maybe starting into training camp. But at the end, the Lakers get to decide, hey, listen, we're going to keep you on and sign you to a two-day or a guaranteed deal or let him go and let him go try with another team. And Kaycock kind of showed that equity that Pascal Siakam showed early on. And, you know, for Siakam, the big jump for him was this past season where he expanded his game. He became an unreal finisher around the rim. And he was always a rim runner, always athletic, always rebound the ball really well. But that equity and that ability to spread the floor was something we didn't really see from him in college. And Kaycock, I believe is going to start to do that. He's pulled off a lot of good spin moves, getting to the rack, and finishing really well with either hand. And I think that's something that you look at his game. He's high-energy guy. He's one of those guys, you know, you remember you know, LeBron James in the finals when he saw Kawhi Leonard subbing into the game. Everyone remembers that meme of, you know, LeBron just looking, rolling his eyes like, oh, man, I got to deal with this again. K-Guy kind of does that for you. He's someone where you see him checking into the game, you're like, man, I'm about to have a field day with this guy. So, literally, for Kaycock, it's going to be finding the right organization, and the Lakers might be that, and just continuing to develop his game because I think he's got a future in the NBA. So, those were the, some of the guys that stood out. You know, Kyle Guy got his shot with the Kings. He looked okay. Jordan Poole was a little off with the Warriors. Uh, I know he's still... And, and I said this before, I really like his game. He's got one of the best handles out of anyone in this draft class. But it will take time for him to adjust to the NBA. And he's going to need to kind of, he, he needs that confidence factor. 
That's what he needs because at Michigan, there are a lot of times where you watch him play and you're like, wow, this kid's a superstar. And then at other points, you're like, why isn't he taking over? He could take that guy. He's got a mismatch. So that's something that we continue to see with Jordan Poole and that we want to see change. This Warriors team going into the season, their depth is not that great. And, you know, it's been a while since we've seen a Warriors team where we're like, you know what, we don't know how good they're actually going to be this year because no Durant, no Klay Thompson for a majority of the season. We were talking about this in our Basketball Society group chat, and, you know, who's starting at the three for that team? You got Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell most likely starting in the backcourt, and then you have Draymond Green and then probably Willie Cauley-Stein at the five. So that means... You're probably going with McKinney starting at the three, but then who's coming off the bench behind it? You know, maybe Jacob Evans. He's starting to show himself out in summer league, and that's expected. That's what people have to understand. It's expected for second-year guys and guys who have been in the league for a while to show out. If they don't show out in summer league, that's more concerning. So Jacob Evans is looking pretty good, and something else we have to mention is that behind D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry, you don't really have too much depth. You have Kai Bowman on a two-way deal, but Jordan Poole's probably their backup two-guard right now. They're going to need him to help. You know, Sean Livingston's still there, but outside of Livingston, don't really have people around there. Quinn Cook's gone. Like I said, Klay Thompson's going to be hurt for a while. They're going to need some help. They can't be playing Curry 45 minutes a game and then expect him to you know shine like he usually does in the playoffs so if they're going to be making a deep playoff run if they're going to be making the playoffs with clay thompson hurt they're really going to need these other guys to step up and hopefully jordan Poole starts to you know hopefully curry rubs off on jordan Poole because he needs some of that confidence and if he can think he can have a solid nba career but let's just jump into las vegas summer league Get some other guys. Oh, one last thing I just want to mention. I have to do the shout-out for, in it was in California Classic in Sacramento, where Jordan Howard, if you don't remember him, Central Arkansas point guard, hell of a scorer. He's the brother of Marcus Howard from Marquette. But that is no longer how we have to refer to him because the Lakers were down 20-plus in that game, and Zach Norvell Jr. was in the game with Jordan Howard, and those two pretty much ended the game. And I want to say, I mentioned Zach Norvell because he hit the game winner with four seconds left, but Jordan Howard was the guy who carried that team back, scored 17 points, I think had five threes just in the fourth quarter, bringing that team all the way back from down 20 to end up winning that game against the Kings, I believe it was. And it was just a fantastic showing from Jordan Howard, who's someone who probably definitely earned a spot in that Warriors organization long-term. I know he's been with Santa Cruz, and I, I know that's probably where he's heading, but that's, again, where a guy like that, where he scores so heavily and so involved in the offense and can bring a team back, it's valued in the NBA. I don't know how long it'll take for him to earn a spot, but he proved his worth on that day. Unfortunately, in, in Utah... We couldn't see Brandon Clark because the trade wasn't. There were trades that were not done, and Brandon Clark wasn't eligible to play for Memphis yet. But we got to see Brandon Clark the other day for Memphis and Las Vegas. As I'm transitioning to you know over there, 
And Clark looked awesome. Clark looked really good in every facet of the game. And for me, the one thing, you know, I know he's great around the rim. I know he's a good rim protector. I know he's great on defense. The concerns were how great of a rim protector would he be with his length? And can he stretch the floor? Because if you can't, you kind of, you need to be with someone specific in a front court where they're going to complement your skills. We all knew Brandon Clark was going to find success in the NBA, but it's in what manner, in what organization, with what front court mate. And Clark shined. <laughs> Clark shined for the Grizzlies in his first game and kind of proved us all wrong. And for me, even though it was just one shot, the one three he hit on the wing was something that I was like, oh, man. I mean, the shot didn't look that great, let me be honest. It was more of like a push shot. And I remember him at Gonzaga. Obviously, he had translated from this really ugly, really ugly shot at San Jose State where he pretty much was shooting it on his shoulder. And it, it got over his head, and it looked like a solid form at Gonzaga. But with the Grizzlies right there, it didn't look too hot. So, again, we have to we have to beware. Buyer beware. If you're buying stock in Brandon Clark, still beware because that shot wasn't too great. But everything else about his game, he proved his worth. And, again, this is just Summer League. But, I, to be honest, I'm not really a fan of that phrase. This is basketball. These are college stars. These are guys that are close to NBA length, and they're close to this. But for Clark, for me, again, it was more so towards that equity of being able to stretch the floor, and he did show that. And even though it was just one shot, it was the ability to for me to say, you know what, that looked okay, and I think he gets in an NBA organization, they're going to work out that shot, they're going to work out that little hitch, and he's going to have a fine career. A couple other guys who had similar concerns coming into the league is Grant Williams, who, you know, I wrote something on at basketballsocietyonline.com about him after his first game with the Celtics, came off the bench for Gershon Yabusele, who started the game. Yabusele looked pretty terrible, and I know he's still, you know, getting used to getting more playing time because he didn't really play too much for the Celtics, but Grant Williams, as soon as he stepped on that court, was fantastic. He made a difference in every facet of the game. And early on, actually, when he got in, I think he got blocked at the rim, and that was that was my inner self screaming at me saying, you know what, that's the problem. That's what we saw from him. He's going to struggle with NBA length. He's in, he's like the size of a two-guard. Well, let me rephrase that because he is built like a power forward. He is built. He is so strong, and that is going to translate no problem. He can throw his body around in the paint with anyone. But I'm saying height-wise, he's more so like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, That's a modern day two, modern day three kind of. So you need to be able to shoot from deep if you're at that size. Grant Williams is kind of changing that mindset. He's just such a high IQ guy. And I know, you know, we've been talking about it, that he's kind of like a coach out there. He's an on-court coach. While, you know, Brad Stevens will end up being the coach for the Celtics in the regular season, they're going to have Grant Williams on the floor directing traffic, communicating with everyone. I mean, this man, let me say this, he got a technical foul on the free throw line. And obviously, that's not that big of a deal in Summer League. But he got a technical foul on the free throw line because he was taking too long while communicating to his teammates what they should be doing. Not necessarily, you know, oh, well, you have to stand on the free throw line, but what the next possession is going to look like, how they should set defensively, because I think someone just got subbed in. And he was just taking too long, so they called a delay of game on him. 
I have never seen that. And that's only Grant Williams. That's only he would do that. Props to him. I'm giving him credit because this is just summer league. A simple technical foul is not going to do anything. But that shows me, at least, if I'm on that coaching staff, oh, my gosh. You know, this kid This kid is set. He's already NBA mindset. He's got it. He's in playoff mode in, you know, summer league. And that's someone you want on your side. And Grant Williams proved that. A couple of other guys, you know, unfortunately for the Pelicans, Zion Williamson had that knee-to-knee action and of course you're not going to play him you're not going to play your star the guy who's going to sell out your arena night after night you're not going to risk any injury so what he did show when he was in was actually wordysome i have to say you know i know people say he was impressive because they saw the one play where he stripped the ball from knox and knox fell to the ground no that his his strength and yeah that was awesome highlight but no mitchell robinson made him look pretty useless in the concept of, like, because the only time Zion really was scoring was out of timeouts and out of plays where he was the role man and had a straight line drive to the basket and could dunk it. Because I think every single field goal in that game was to dunk for him. Pretty much a wide open one. So, for Zion, it's still concerning because, you know, for me at least, hopefully, I, I believe that was after the knee-to-knee collision where he didn't really want to test it out. I, I remember seeing him shoot it from the outside you know, flat-footed shot on his shoulder, took too long to release it, not a high point, and Mitchell Robinson easily got to it, blocked it, grabbed the ball, went to the other end, and Zion wasn't even chasing him. He wasn't getting back. He wasn't trying to. And again, I think that was him just dealing with that lingering pain from his knee, but again, you know, that's something just to monitor going into the season where how will he deal with NBA size and length? For Zion, he can bully anyone in the paint. You know, he's not going to have as easy of a time in the NBA as he did in college. But still, you know, he's 290 plus. And for people who are saying he has to slim down, I don't know if he necessarily has to do that. You know, he did this in college. He was weighing in at 285, 290 in college. Maybe it will help him if he drops 20 or so pounds, still be crazy strong and might even be more athletic. But for someone like that... I. I don't know how much we really have to put into it. Yeah, the injury issues are a little concerning. It is starting to creep up because we had that freak accident in Duke where, you know, shoe broke and hurt his knee, and now we just had this in Summer League. Even though it's just knee-to-knee and I'm sure he's fine, I still have faith that, you know, he's a freak athlete. I don't know how much they really have to change about his game. Let him do him because he's going to be a star in this league in no time. But elsewhere for the Pelicans... Let's look at a couple other guys that have looked good. One of my prominent sleepers in this draft class is actually Zylan Cheatham, who I thought looked really well in that first game with Zion on the bench. With the injury, Cheatham was showing this tenacity that we saw at Arizona State to that relentlessness, I guess I should say, on the boards and this ability to track down and make LeBron-esque chase down blocks. He made one super impressive one that got me out of my seat, no doubt. So Cheatham was someone who I, you know, again, I I was very high on going into this draft, and I think will end up carving a specific role in the Pelicans that's really needed off the bench where, again, we talked about Devontae Kaycock again. It's just guys like that where 
They're going to do whatever they can for the team, and they're just going to be those guys you can throw into the game and say, hey, listen, just kind of change the tide. You don't have to hit threes. You don't have to do anything like that. We have guys. The NBA has scores. On every team, you have guys who can just get a bucket. That's, you know, that's what these guys were born to do. But not all of them. And some of these guys are just, they're here because they work harder than anyone else. Kind of like the Grant Williams, Kaycock, and now even Cheatham. Cheatham's so skilled. Such a skilled player. But he is one where, no matter what, he's probably going to work harder than you and won't give up on a play. Jackson Hayes and... Nikhil Alexander-Walker got their debuts yesterday for the Pelicans as well, and they shined, both of them. Nikhil looked so much better than I thought. I mean, like, I knew NAW had a lot of skill at Virginia Tech, and I knew he could shoot the rock. But handling the ball, distributing it, he was a star out there. And I immediately thought to myself, whoa, the Pelicans are going to have trouble coming up with their starting lineup. Because, again, they've already... Gotten Lonzo Ball, they have Josh Hart, they have Brandon Ingram, and you know they already have Drew Holiday and Zion. So their starting line is going to look something like Drew Holiday, and then they have to decide between Lonzo, Nikhil, and JJ Redick. And then you'll have Brandon Ingram, Zion, and then possibly Jackson Hayes getting the start, given especially how he did yesterday. And I'll just transition into him real quick. And Hayes. The problem with him is still he's going to have to deal with NBA strength and size. The length-wise, he was longer than anyone and could finish around the rim so well. He had one of the best dunks we've ever seen in summer league history where he absolutely posterized, I think it was Mike Mulder on the opposition, it was the Bulls. And, yeah, Hayes was just electric out there. He was making plays on both ends, protecting the rim and dunking the basketball like he had been, I don't know, like he had just gotten this juice out of nowhere. And, you know, we know Hayes ended his season in Texas, unfortunately, because of injury. And I don't know. I was speechless. I'll, I'll tell you that. I was just speechless from his game. And the one thing for me as well as strength is that, you know, he only finished with four rebounds. And that's that's something you're not going to be able to get away with at the center position. If, you know, he's playing alongside Zion, it won't be as bad because Zion's a great rebounder. But even so, if you're going against a big front court, like let's say you play against the Lakers in the Western Conference and they throw out a front court of Boogie and Anthony Davis and LeBron, they have those three guys on the court at the same time, which might very well happen more regular than you'd expect. I mean, you can't really just throw Jackson Hayes and Zion out there. You're going to have to throw another big. But still, Hayes is going to have to do a much better job. He's going to have to dominate the boards, which I think he can over time. But he hasn't shown that ability yet. You know, uh, another team, I kind of want to get into some of their players. You know, I, at least I would. But I don't know if there's a need for it, is the Philadelphia 76ers. And... You know, they have Matisse Thibel, Zaire Smith getting a lot of good looks. And actually, they're doing exactly what you'd expect. Zaire Smith is making some electric plays around the rim. Matisse Thibel is cutting off passing lanes better than anyone you would expect. And he's just, Thibel's looking like the Robert Covington replacement, that one true defensive need they lacked once Rocco headed to Minnesota. So for the Sixers, I won't get too much into them because for me at least, a lot of the guys I have looked for and have impressed me, I kind of expected that. But as I go through teams, you know, 
Iggy Brasdikas scored 30 points for the Knicks, and obviously I'm starting with Iggy because I don't really want to talk about RJ too much because for me at least, Summer League's not about highlighting the guys who don't show out. It's more about just highlighting the guys that do look really good because it is just Summer League, and some guys, you know, they, it takes them time to adjust. And for RJ, you know, the concerns we did have going into the NBA were, you know, he's not that athletic. He has a killer instinct, and I think – any problems he does have now, he's going to be willing to work on, without a doubt. But, he, again, the athleticism, the off-ball movement, the passing, the, tur- the high turnover rate, all of that's kind of not there yet. I honestly do like him as a primary point guard. Like, I wish the Knicks would throw him there. Because I don't, you know, I do think the turnover numbers are still going to be crazy. And I don't think... That's his future in the NBA. But I think you have to try him out there. And for a lot of teams, you see them doing that with some of their prominent guys, even though they're not going to be starting point guards or not going to be playing point guard whatsoever. So like Jacob Evans for the Warriors, he's more of a three. And obviously he's not going to be playing point with Steph Curry there. But they run him there because they want to see how he can do passing the ball. They, they want to see how he does kind of running an offense. I wish the Knicks would give him that chance. The Knicks have kind of done that with Alonzo Trier. He's done that at times. He's taken up the ball. And again, let me say, Alonzo Trier and Mitchell Robinson, two guys who probably shouldn't be playing anymore. I don't know why they are, because they're going to be getting significant minutes for the Knicks. But both of them have far and away proved they are too good for Summer League. Anyway, so going back to R.J. Barrett, I, I just wish he would command the ball. He'd be able to take the ball, take a point guard-esque role. And I hope they get he gets that as they start to play Mitch and maybe even Knox and Trier less, because Knox has looked really good too. So I yeah, I do hope they do that and let him run the show, because they started to let Iggy do that as he was heating up in that 30-point outing. And it looked good. It was like, okay, you know what? They're running some pick and roll for him. He's being able to make the right decision, or we can at least see if he does. RJ really hasn't gotten that chance. I think anytime he's, you know, he's shot really poorly, in the first two games he's played. But in both those outings, when RJ got the ball, it was kind of on the wing, and it was for him to create for himself, not really any pick-and-roll action, and just straight-line drives to the basket, where, as in Duke, he was a superstar, and he relied a lot on foul calls being given to him. Even though he wasn't that great from the line, he really, you know, that weak stuff that he received at Duke, he's not really going to get at this level. And it will take time for him. I I know know, he's a strong player, and he's intelligent. It's going to take him some time. So I don't want to harp on RJ too much. Not going to hate on him for, you know, shooting pretty poorly in the first two games. I I bet he's going to have a really good outing for the Knicks soon in Summer League. But again, it's just been a little rough going for him. I hope he turns that around. Anyway, as I go through teams, some guys I've liked. Lugan Stort for the Thunder. I thought he's looked really good and what I liked in Arizona State, as well as Cheatham, you know, he provides this defensive ability. The problem with Dort is he really needs to work on that three-point shot, and he's young. You know, he only stayed one year at Arizona State, so he's still got a lot of time to improve. And for me, what I've loved to see from Dort is that defensive ability, as well as the cutting aspect, which I've been on record to say that Dort is probably the best cutter, most intelligent cutter, and fill in open spaces in this draft class that we have. 
I think he's great at that. Cutting behind the defense and finding the open lanes. He gets so many baseline dunks because he loves cutting as soon as his player falls asleep for one second. He's there. He's making a backdoor cut, and his teammate's going to find him. So, Doors improved me a little bit. There are some other guys, you know, here and there that have looked at, like, Poole. I did mention Poole earlier, how he wasn't looking too good in California Classic. I think he looked a lot better, at least yesterday. You know, he scored 23 points against, I know they got another matchup with the Lakers. So, I thought that was good. That he showed out 23 points on 15 shots. I'm all about that. I like that. One guy I didn't mention from the earlier games that we got to see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was Tyler Hero for the Heat, who's actually gotten a lot of claim for being, you know, having a really solid summer league showing so far. I'm interested to see how he does. I'm recording this before he goes up against the Magic. That's going to be a really interesting game to see. And, I, you know, I think... I love, again, like this is kind of what I've been saying before with how guys have thrown them in there to run some PR action, some high pick and roll, and kind of command the offense. Tyler Hero's gotten that opportunity with the Heat. He takes up the ball a lot of times, and again, I, he's not really going to be the primary point guard for that Heat team. If they keep that team intact, depends what they do with Russell Westbrook. You already have Dragic, and more importantly, Winslow, who's probably the point guard of that Heat team. He kind of proved that last year, so. I don't think that's where Hero is. He's more of a two-guard, obviously, but they're giving him that chance to see how he fares with the ball in his hands that much. RJ needs that chance, like I said. But anyway, yeah, Hero's been shooting the ball really well. We knew he could. Still really young, looking like a promising player. I like his future in Miami if he does end up there. Anyway, those are some of the guys that stood out for me. We have a lot of summer league action coming forward. I just, again, I wanted to keep this episode brief, just talk about some of the guys that impressed me and kind of look forward. You know, Terrence Mann with the Clippers has been really good. Mufondo Cabangeli had a good game with the Clippers as well. They play the Wizards tonight, 11.30 p.m. Eastern time or 8.30 local. We're going to get in more and more good looks at these players going forward. I'll be back with another episode recapping more of the Summer League as we get further into it maybe before or during playoff action and then rounding it up at the end kind of talking about my you know I try to do this every year my way too good quote-unquote for summer league starting five and bench I kind of do that Lonnie Walker someone who will 100% make it on there and there'll be a couple other names I'll bring up so anyway thanks again for tuning in to the eighth episode of the Tank You NBA Draft Podcast Aaron Canusio here see you next time